Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you hunt or fish Alabama or in the deep south, you know that it's different down here. Spawning seasons, patterns, food sources, they ain't the same down here as in other parts of the country. At Great Days Outdoors Magazine, Southern Outdoors writers pick the brains of the best Southern hunters and anglers and give you the best how-to, where-to, and when-to articles, along with so much, much more. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors Magazine subscription and become a better Southern Outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors Magazine can be found at your local Barnes & Nobles, Books a Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rule King, Bass Pro Shops, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. All right, guys, welcome to the show. Glad you're able to join us today. I'm your host, Brian Sand. Hope you guys are having a good week. Man, I'm excited about today. We got some great great contributors calling in today look forward to hearing from from norman with the management minute today got some other callers from around the state i know it's going to be a good report so i'm looking forward to hearing it hey before we get into that guys i just want to and i i I very rarely give myself a plug but i'm gonna do a shameless plug today for myself if you guys have not heard of the you do social app it's my app I created. You spell it Y-U-D-U. And uh, guys, I'm so excited to share with y'all that my idea that that I've started over the past couple of years, and it's a social media platform just like, just like Facebook or just like Instagram, but with no advertisement. We're not manipulating your feed. You're not going to see stuff you don't want to see. You're not going to have to scroll by ads. And maybe most importantly, we're not selling your data. So we've got our own private servers and we're not, since there's no advertisers, there's, we're not selling your data to anybody. So your, your data is secure. It's safe. There is no political agenda being forced on you on you do. Uh, It is for the first time, it's an opportunity to have social media the way that you want it, not the way that the big companies want it or the advertisers that are paying the big bucks want it, but the way that you want it. And I'm so, so excited that Friday morning, this Friday morning, Craig Morgan, country singer, is going to be on Fox and Friends live at 745 to introduce the nation to you do. And that's pretty freaking cool to think that this app that I created to as a social meeting place is going to be on Fox and Friends with a, with a star like Craig Morgan. So, guys, go check out You Do Social on the App Store or Google Play, and that's You Do Social. You spell that Y-U-D-U, social. So go check it out. Download it. We greatly appreciate it. Now let's get started with the show, and let's talk about some fishing. Let's get to our first segment and our first caller with the Tennessee River Report. And I love, love, love having this guy on here. And, uh, man, you're talking about a guy full of knowledge. Alex Davis. Alex, what's going on, my friend? Uh, doing good. How about yourself? Man, I'm doing fine, buddy. Been, uh, been a busy week. And uh, 
but that's a good thing. Makes it go fast. Got a lot of exciting stuff going on. So, uh, it's been a good week, man. How about you? You've been, uh, I understand you've been, you've been all over the country. You've been at the Potomac recently, right? Yep. I just got back Monday night and yesterday I, uh, you know, have to take care of all your bills and stuff that piles up and then, <laughs> uh, decided to uh, do a ceramic wax on the old truck and cleaned up the boat today. And now I'm, uh, getting all my tackle right now. I'm actually getting all my tackle ready, going through it all from the Potomac and, uh, going to go to Gunnersville tomorrow morning. So it's been, uh, been a busy week had a great finish got to do a lot of grass fishing up there so i felt right at home so i kind of can't wait to get back after it tomorrow morning oh awesome man how'd you finish uh i ended up coming in 36th i was 15th after two days and then uh i don't know what happened i just kind of stubbed my toe never caught a good one the, the final day but if i was gonna stub my toe i'd rather stub it on a on a day where you really can't fall too much versus a day that you can really really fall so it was a great tournament. Caught everything on a swim jig and a and a chatterbait. Uh, kind of what I was doing at Gunnersville before I left, and uh, hope tomorrow pick up right where I left off. Awesome, man. Well, you know, you 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 know, you you said that you were going through your tackle box from being at Potomac, getting ready to go to Gunnersville, and that brings up a really good question: Is you know when do you take everything when you go to a tournament at a different lake that's not your home lake i mean you kind of know what you're going to take to gunnersville depending on i mean you fish it a lot you know what time of year fish are doing different things but when you go to a potomac or uh, a lake in another part of the country how do you how do you go about deciding what to take or do you just take it all well, the the good thing about the Potomac is you don't really have a lot of options. It's shallow grass and then hard cover. So you pretty much know you're going to throw a swim jig, a vibrating jig, possibly a buzz bait, you know, like a, a weightless worm, stick worm, like a Cinco, and then bring some stuff to flip and throw a frog. So you can really narrow your tackle down. It's what's really kind of hard is like uh, Gunnersville actually. Um, because you have grass and deep, or like you follow, you have shallow and deep, and you you follow is probably one of the worst I've ever had to pack for because you have brush pile fishing, so you have to take stuff specifically for brush. Then you have ledge fishing, so you have to take stuff for ledges, and then you have shallow fishing, so you have to take your work, you know, your your frogs, your buzz baits, your swim jigs, your chatter baits. So that's actually really difficult. Potomac's easy. Gunnersville can be tricky, especially this time of year, because right now on Gunnersville, before I left, and I'm sure it's exactly the same now, you can catch them out of the grass and you can catch them deep. And it seems like one day the grass fishing will be better and then one day the deep fishing will be better. So you actually have to have a lot of tackle. Um, right now on Gunnersville, before I left, I was catching them on a like a big old monster worm and a vibrating jig, a chatterbait in the mornings. And some days that bite would just last all day. Like if you had, if you had wind or if you had clouds, you could fish grass all day long. Other days it seemed like the grass really wasn't the deal. And then you would go start fishing deep, scanning ledges. And then it was like, man, look at them all out here. So right now, Gunnersville, it's a great time because you don't have to fish just ledges or you don't have to fish just grass. You can kind of, kind of do what you want. If you can mix it up, you can go shallow then deep and then back shallow then back deep or, you can go all deep or all shallow. So right now it's probably my favorite time to fish Gunnersville because you have a lot of options. Man, that's good. And that's, that's, that's very, you know, basically it's just knowing where you're going, right. And, and what the fish are, what kind of lake it is. 
and and where it normally produces fish is how you pack for a tournament it sounds like so that's I, i've never asked that question on on here before so uh man I, I appreciate that that's that's good stuff well as far as as gunnerville's going right now it sounds like you can catch them like you said in a lot of different places a lot of you know depending on the time of the day and and and, and what the fish are doing we've had a lot of rain you know, just some some days where it's just just downpours of rain. We had that little tropical system come through. You know, this time of year with the fish, you know, we're being in different areas and kind of scattered, and some being shallow and some being deep. How does a heavy rain affect the lake? It really only affects it if it gets muddy, because mud kind of it hurts the grass and it actually hurts the deep fishing. Um, they just don't like mud. As far as if it's raining a lot but doesn't muddy it up, it's actually a good thing because usually the days that's leading up to it and the day of, you're going to have storm, you're going to have clouds, so they fish bite better. And what it does is they it makes it makes the TVA actually pull water um, because they kind of anticipate if they're, you know, weatherman saying, oh, we're going to get five inches of rain. Well, they pull the lake down getting ready for that. Well, when they do that, the days leading up to that, they pull a lot of current and it makes those fish just really, really turn on. So that's actually good. You just don't want like an excessive amount of rain in a short period of time where it just like floods and it makes, it just makes everything muddy. That's what you don't want. Right. Just darkens the water up, muddies it up and, uh, it makes it, makes it difficult. Well, so uh, on on Gunnersville right now, it sounds like that you're 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 starting in the early mornings, kind of in the shallower water, and then working your way out to to the ledges. What seems to be the main thing that you're catching them on? Like you're going in the morning. So so let's talk about how you're how you're going to structure your day tomorrow. Where will you start? Where will you finish? Um, I'll start in the grass just because it's easier, and you can cover. You have you have more areas to fish. And I just kind of see how that plays out. If they're biting, I never really leave the grass. I just, I like to fish grass. You don't have to worry about people and company and, oh, that guy's on my spot. And, oh, there's a boat close. I can't go over there. I mean, when you're fishing grass, you, you've got so many options. That's why I love it so much. But if that doesn't work, then I will start idling and, you know, looking at the ledge stuff. And the problem, I guess you could say good or bad, the problem with the ledges is, everyone's doing it now so the fish are a whole lot smarter so there's like small windows that you hit like glory it's kind of strange you might do it for three or four hours and you know you catch one here one there but then you'll pull up on one spot and just you know you you catch a a lot of fish and you'll have big ones and it's like oh it was worth it because of that one you know that one little window i hit was totally made the whole day worth it but uh it's definitely a science anymore so i still I always start at grass, and then if I have to, I'll go deep. But they're biting in the grass. I'm not going nowhere. I hear you, man. I'd rather stay on that grass myself as well. It's just a fun, it's just a fun way to fish. So you are you mainly swim jigs? Is that kind of your go-to this time of year in the grass, or kind of mix it up? Um, I I usually go with a vibrating jig. Um, that's one of my main things. I, I definitely like a vibrating jig. So. Usually go with the vibrating jig first, and then I'll go with like a old monster worm, slow down in areas like, especially if you've got some bites on the vibrating jig, I just slow down and throw a worm around those areas. If the floating eel grass isn't just 
god awful like it has been lately. So top water. I really like throwing a spook, something like that. But sometimes that that floating eelgrass is just it makes you want to tear what little bit of hair <laughs> yeah. I have tear it out. Um so it really just depends. I I'd rather fish be able to fish fast and cover a lot of water, but if they don't seem like they're they're biting or getting the bait, I do slow down. So just kind of, I let the fish tell me what to do. Do you, you know, for, for people, listeners that may not, may not know when we're talking about jigs and you're talking about a vibrating jig or a swim jig, what's the difference in the two? What's the identifying features of that? Swim jig is going to be more weedless. It usually has a bullet head. Um, that's just the way it's designed bullet head. It comes through grass really really easily but it's more of like a kind of a finessey presentation um it doesn't really have any flash because it's just uh a virtually a skirt and then a, a, some kind of a trailer i usually throw a swim bait style trailer on it so it's it's more natural i'd like the water to be clear it's kind of finessey vibrating jig you have a blade in front of a jig it puts out a lot of vibration you can have uh as far as the blade goes you can have one in black green pumpkin gold silver so it has flash, it has vibration. The trailer, I usually use like a crawl style trailer. It's got flappies. So that puts out even more vibration. So virtually, if I think the fish are in a feeding mood, I usually go with the chatterbait. If I think the fish are kind of in a lethargic, not really wanting to bite, that's when I go with the swim jig. I got you. Yeah, that makes total sense. And uh, is there a particular uh, color that seems to, to, to be better for you this time of the year? Or is it more about the presentation? To me, uh, if you got cloudy or muddy water, I use a black and blue. If it is kind of clean water, I use either a green pumpkin or a natural, like a white. And that's all dependent if they're eating shad, I throw something white, natural, shaddy looking. If I feel like they're eating brim, I throw something green pumpkin. And if the water's murky or dark or it's cloudy outside, it's so black and blue. I try to keep it as simple as possible because if you don't, you'll have 74 colors of swim jigs in your <laughs> boat. And you'll be always thinking, I just think they're not biting this color. When it's probably they might not bite biting a swim jig. It's not really the color. It's probably just they're not biting a swim jig. So I try to keep it simple. Try to keep it simple. Yeah. Now, and when we're talking about jigs, you know, the third kind of jig there is, it, I think of is, it's more like a flipping situation. Is, do you do, do you do much flipping on Gunnersville? Is it the type of grass that you want to do that in? Um, right now the grass is still growing. Flipping, I usually don't start doing that until more like late July, August. Uh, I just wait for the grass to get up. So right now, I'm just virtually just swimming it through. It, it's not to the surface yet. It's still probably a few feet under the surface. So I'm just getting a vibrating jig and a swim jig, just kind of swimming it through the, the thicker patches or along the edge. Right. Of it. Do you, is there a, you know, when you're, when you're using a swim jig or, or a vibrating jig, do you try to keep that more toward the top of the grass, middle of the grass, bottom of the grass? Does, does one seem to perform better than the other as far as the, where in the grass you're fishing it? I, not really. You're just wanting to fish it right on the top of the grass. That's the main thing. You're always wanting to kind of stay in contact with it, but just stay above it. Each are very easy to do that with. They stay down. They don't try to ride high. I usually throw a half ounce. So it gets down there and it stays down there. So really it's just uh, the matter of the fish uh, and right. what kind of mood he's in. If he's, 
If he's in a feeding mood, I like I said, lean more towards the chatterbait. If he's kind of in a not so much a feed mood, but will kind of still chase something, that's when I go with the swim jig. Do you mainly like a chatterbait? Are you kind of, um, is it more of a steady retrieve for you or are you like uh, changing your, changing your speed up, like dropping it and picking it up? Or do you just like to keep it right on that surface, right? Touching the grass right on top and just more of a steady retrieve. I, I usually just do a steady retrieve and just keep it ticking the grass. Um, always be, I'm always steady with it. And my speed of it's just however fast I have to reel it to tick the grass. If I need to slow it, if I need, you know, if I got to slow it down to tick the grass, I'll slow it down. If I got to speed it up to tick it, I speed it up. So it really just depends on, uh, it's a sign. Um, I can talk this about three hours, but uh, if the water comes up a foot, that's pretty drastic on, you know, chatterbait on your speed to try to keep it where you want as far as your weight goes. If you've got wind outside and, you know, your, the wind's carrying your line, uh, that kind of changes how fast you have to reel it. If the wind's coming from behind you and it's drift making you drift faster, you'll have to feel you'll have to reel it quicker. So main thing, you just want to tick the grass with it. So whatever weather current you're dealt with, just remember, tick the grass. So you you'll have to change up your speed from day to day. Just make sure you're hitting the grass at all times. That's good stuff, man. Well, we could we could literally probably do a whole segment on that, and uh, and we may do that at some time. But uh, man, great report. I, I, I appreciate it. It sounds like things are good on Gunnerful right now. Got a lot of options of where to catch the fish. If somebody's gonna come fishing this weekend, the next couple of days, what's your tip of the week? Tip of the week, it's like my tip every time. Slow down. Don't run all over gunners. Well, the more you're running, the less you're catching. Just take a boat ramp, pick an area of the lake, and just fish that area. You'll catch more fish by just slowing down and really kind of learning an area instead of trying to run from one end to the other. I love it, Alex. Well, if somebody wants to come really learn how to do this and and catch some fish and learn the lake, learn some of these techniques that you use what is the best way for them to contact you best way to contact me is through um you can you can send me a message on instagram or facebook alex davis fishing you can call me or text me 256-298-1178 you can get on my website spinnerbaitkid.com it has all my information my email address uh, my phone number so you can email me Call me, text me, hit me up through social media. I'm pretty much everywhere. You, you always got my phone with me, so uh, hit me up for a guide trip. Let's go catch some fish. Absolutely. Guys, give Alex a call. Alex, man, we appreciate it, buddy. Thank you for being on, and we look forward to talking to you again very soon, my friend. Thank you, sir. All right, man. Talk to you next time. Guys, let's take a quick right. break and hear from one of this week's sponsors. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Sun South. From outdoors equipment, parts, service, accessories, SunSouth has you covered. Own the best for less. Visit SunSouth or SunSouth.com for quality John Deere equipment. SunSouth, for those that do. All right, greatly appreciate Alex being on here. And uh, guys, let's move on to segment number two. It's always a segment I look forward to, our management minute uh, for this month with norman latona with southeastern pond management norman how's it going my friend oh man doing great brian how, how are you guys uh, we're doing good man we're hanging in there and uh 
enjoying some actual mild weather compared to what we usually have this time of year. So I'm sure it won't last long, but we're going to enjoy it while we can. And not the trees. I'm, I'm saying I'm right there with you. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you jumping on today, man. Like I said, I always look forward to this segment because we learn so much and it's so educational. And, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, responses that we've got on here and we get questions posed to us through email and, and phone calls. And, and one of the things that it seems like people want to know is what are, you know, if you're thinking about building a, a pond or maybe redoing a pond that you that you existing have on your property. What are some of the costs that are associated with that? And let's just you, you, we can start where we want to on it, but let's just start with with stocking. I mean, if we're going to if we're going to be stocking a pond, let's just say it's a new pond. What are some of the things that an owner needs to be thinking about and planning for? Yeah, well, that, that's a that's a great subject, and uh, obviously we we get lots of calls about stocking fish. That's the fun part of it, you know. And uh, and folks are always interested in doing in doing that part of it. And you know, I tell folks, Brian, you know, you know, stocking fish is so important, especially nowadays with with really what's available out there and all that we know about genetics and improved genetics and stocking ratios, meaning, you know, predator to prey that, that, that yield really super high production. I think we've talked about previous shows. We, we see, you know, rather commonly now two and three pounds of of a year of, of bass growth, you know, particularly that first couple of three years and uh, but none of those things happen by accident so I would say this uh, at the beginning stocking a new pond particularly if you have high goals you know in terms of trophy production uh, etc you know that's not an area where you want to scrimp and uh, and cut corners uh, that said there are a lot of options uh, and there's a lot of variability in cost you know, there's a lot of options when it comes to the, the genetics, for example. Uh, there's really some really cool stuff that's available now commercially and uh, kind of cutting edge. You know, some of this pedigree breeding stuff where, you know, you're stocking the, the cream of the crop, the best of the best genetically. And obviously those individuals, those fish, those fingerlings, whatever size you're stocking are more costly than a more, uh, you know, field run or, or uh, you know, what we typically used in the past uh, in, in the form of a, a fingerling. So, uh, and likewise, stocking density can play a role. I mean, obviously, if you stock twice as many fish, your cost is, is twice as high. So, again, you know, it's not, uh, we, we, we tend to, or we attempt to tailor a stocking program whether that stocking density, the time of the year that we that we put the fish in, the species diversity, the size of the fish that we stock, the genetics, we try to tailor that to the the individual objectives, those objectives that are laid out by the pond owner, and those vary greatly. So you know, in terms of cost, you know, it's kind of all over the board. Uh, but suffice to say. Uh, we have lots of good options, 
and uh, and we spend a lot of time carefully discussing those options, the cost and benefits associated with them with our customers. That's kind of what we do. Yeah, and, and it's really cool what's out there right now because you can really tailor-make that, make it uh, your pond what you want it to. You know, traditionally <clears throat> or in the past, you know, you, you are a little more limited, and but now you've got the – you know, you can go Florida strand, um, then what's, what's the, the, is it the A, what's it called, Norman, the A? The F1. The F1. F1 integrate, uh-huh, yep. And the F1 is yeah, a combination and, of, of Florida and, and I may be saying that, what is that? Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's basically, a, uh, it, it is a, it is a Florida and Northern cross. You know, so your the theory being you're getting the, the you, you're creating what we refer to as genetic diversity. You're getting the the, the positive uh, genetic traits associated with a northern bass, say aggressiveness, uh, catchability, and you're crossing that with the the, the best of the Florida genetics, which is uh, top end growth. You know maybe uh, growth rate. Uh, longevity in terms of how, how many years the fish will live and 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 for many years that's really been kind of the way the direction that genetics uh has been going as it relates to to bass for bass fingerlings and bass for for stocking and here in the last couple of years uh and we have a fantastic relationship with a group down in south georgia called red hills fishery and they are do so, doing something altogether different that is in the early stages you know in year two really is yielding some pretty exciting results and they're they're actually taking that those selective genetics to another level and they're they're pedigree breeding fish kind of like the way you know they do with racehorses or you know even certain you know labrador retrievers or cattle or right so uh no one has yet done that with largemouth bass there's actually been done a little bit in the in the salmon industry a commercial aquaculture uh, salmon industry to to increase yields and so the science behind it is very solid it's just uh it takes it takes a lot of uh, time it's tedious it's very expensive because you literally have to track and you know tag and track thousands and thousands and thousands of offspring and record results and make decisions uh based on that uh but so the idea is that after several generations uh they'll be able to pull off or to pull out the genetically superior the the best of the best the best of the best right and uh you know it may take a couple more generations you know a couple more years but uh i think what we're going to end up with is something truly remarkable so you're uh, seeing i mean because you're you're actively involved in this program from what i understand i mean you have talked about and so you're seeing some of these results early on yeah it's it's and and again the science is solid it's it's just a matter of kind of proving to the world that we can do what we know we can do, you know, but we, but we still have to prove it, stuff to show it. And so that's kind of what we're in the middle of right now. You know, 
20 years ago or more, I mean, we, we, we used to say, you know, a pound a year is, is, is acceptable. I mean, that was, that was kind of the, the standard for bass production, you know, and, and, and you'd obviously have some fish, uh, that would, that would outperform that. And you'd have some that would underperform, but you know, it, that was kind of the standard, you know, if, if we, if we got fish that are year old up to about a pound, you know, we, we, we thought that was, that was okay. pr- pretty good. Yeah. And, and, you know, through, through improved genetics, uh, through manipulating stocking densities, which is a factor too. Okay. So stocking more or less of this species or that, as I said, improved genetics, uh, we have seen that number skyrocket to, to where now we routinely see, you know, two and a half, three pounds, even better than three pounds a year carrying wow. through year three. That's you know, crazy. You got some fish approaching double digits at, at three, three plus years of age. So uh, it's exciting. It's, it's, it's been a bit of a slow process and we certainly don't have all the answers yet. The folks down at Red Hills are, are attempting to uh, put a really big piece of the puzzle in place and, uh, and, and that'll, that'll bring a lot of things together. And I'm really confident in the next year or two, uh, that's going to happen. That's so cool, man. That's, and, and why not do it with fish, right? I mean, like you said, they've done it in the commercial industry with, with catfish, with salmon, with, with other species. So why not do it for the bass? So it's exciting that they're doing that. And, you know, when we, when we think about planning and, and cost involved with that, you know, you obviously have the stocking of the bass, but there you also have the stocking of the, the forage. So that's something yeah, else I mean, we need and, to plan for. Yeah, and, and, and frankly, and I've, I say this a lot. I mean, the best genetics in the world uh, don't bend, you, you don't don't do you any good if you if you introduce them into an environment where there's a, a strictly limited forage. I mean, you can take a bass that has a genetic potential to weigh 20 pounds and put it in a a, a bathtub and and feed it a goldfish a week. And, and you know, that fish is, is not is not, not going to grow twenty pounds, right? No, and, but so so and that and that's where and that's what you're referring to that that forage stocking, creating a uh, an ample supply of food, a diverse uh, supply of food. Uh, we use lots of different forage options again, depending on the specific goals, objectives of the lake owner. You know, we use golden chiners, we use tilapia, we use crawfish, we stock redfin chad, obviously bluegill and shellcracker, just to name a few. And, and uh, you know, fathead minnows, uh, even in some cases, uh, as lakes mature, you know, introducing gizzard chad. So there are, and, and that is incredibly important. And uh, so, and, and, and getting to the initial stocking, it's, it's, it's critically important. And in particular, and, and if you think about it, it makes sense. We, we have one shot to stock new lakes when they're predator free. And if you don't, if you don't think that the presence of predators has an effect, you know, you hadn't been around a, a newly stocked pond uh, recently. So in other words, uh, we can do amazing things in terms of forage production in a clean body that has no predators in it. You know, they're just, they'll get in there 
and feed and feed and feed and spawn and spawn and spawn and just fill the lake up. And there's nothing in there to hinder them. Uh, now, once you introduce predators, they're there for good. You renovate the entire thing. So uh, initial stocking of forage is really, really important. It's that shot you, you have to get the forage that you want established without having to worry about it getting eaten along the way. And so we try to take full advantage of that opportunity. Absolutely. And it doesn't end there. I mean, it, you know, you stock the predators, you get a couple of years down the road, you've got some bigger bass now, you've got a lot more bass now, uh, and a lot more predators now. So a lot of times you have to come back and, and, and restock or add a different species in there, like a tilapia, like something that's bigger that these larger bass want to feed on. That's right. We, we do that with tilapia. We do it with crawfish. It's something that we stock a lot into these established lakes. We do corrective restocking or try to supplement or augment the, the bluegill population by stocking what we call intermediate-sized bluegill. They're larger. They're, they're, they're already sexy mature. They're a little bit bigger. They're four or five inches, so they're a bit more predator-proof. We stock gizzard shad. Rarely do we stock those initially they grow so rapidly they'll kind of outgrow the bass uh if you stock them too early but once those bass get up in age again with certain objectives in mind if it, particularly if it's a, a trophy bass uh objective uh then gizzard shad that get up to a pound you know pretty rapidly might be a great option uh you know that that's those bigger fish grow much much more efficiently when they're eating big forage so you're absolutely right you know it's, yeah. it's a, and it's just a, like i'm sure monitor it's just, what's there and add to it that's right and I'm, and I'm sure it's just like just like when you're stocking your pond initially with with your bass uh, i mean you know if you're gonna stock it's it's a ratio i mean if you're stocking more obviously there's a cost involved if you're stocking a bigger uh, more mature bluegill in a pond that's already established maybe then you know a, a, a larger one's going to cost you more than a smaller one or than a yeah, finger yeah absolutely it's the same way yeah there there's no there's no there's no cheat code or shortcut that's right i mean a an older an older larger fish more mature fish you know bigger in stature you know they're always going to cost more they're older they've been around longer they've been fed more they've been more cost so, in them for the producer uh, and, but, no, no question. And and likewise, you know, stocking density plays a big role. You know, are we going to add 200 intermediate bluegill per acre? Are we going to add 500 per acre? Are we going to add 1,000 per acre? Well, obviously, you know, the stocking density, you know, makes a difference in terms of the overall cost. Heck, the, the size of the lake makes a big difference. You know? Sure. It costs, you know, a lot more to, to establish and, 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 and stock a 10 acre lake than it does a, a, a three acre lake. So uh, all, all those factors play a role. And, you know, again, again, back to what I was saying earlier, what, what we try to do is, is uh, particularly with, with new pond stocking uh, is, is, is we, we try to listen to what the, the lake owner uh, has in mind, you know, what, what, what are the goals? And, and obviously, you know, we, we want to want to be, you know, real, want them to be realistic and understand Look, if this is your goal, uh, you know, 
we need to do A, B, C, and D. Uh, if, if we're not, if the budget doesn't allow that, then let's, let's tweak some things, let's change some things, and maybe we need to, in some cases, even adjust what our goals are. And, and I, you know, not patting ourselves on the back, but we've been doing it a long time, and I think we, we, we do a pretty good job of, of, of sorting through all the, all the variables, all the options, and tailoring something to, to meet the, the, the goals and the budget. Of, of the client that we're dealing Absolutely. with. Absolutely. And that's the, the takeaway from this whole segment, I think, is no matter what you, whatever your objective is, Norman and, and Southeastern Pond Management, they can sit down with you as a pond owner, discuss what your, what your end goal is, what your objective is, and they can come up with a management plan that's right for you. And, and, and that's the, that's the main thing and, 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 and what you offer, cause y'all understand that you do it for a living, you know, if a, if a pond owner, depending what his goal is, then you know what he needs to do to get there, to achieve that goal. And, and, and that's, that's the takeaway from this whole segment, I think. And Norman, if somebody is listening, they want to reach out to you to discuss uh, their pond management, whether it's a new pond or established pond and get some more information, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? You know, they can, uh, they can ring my cell phone. I've got it with me near about all the time. That number is 205-288-1371. Or they can always uh, visit our website and contact us that way at sepond.com. That sounds good. Well, guys, give Norman a call. Norman, we appreciate you being on here. Great segment, man. Very educational. Thank you for your time. And always, man, we look forward to talking to you again soon, brother. Okay, buddy. Thanks, Brian. Enjoyed it. Yes, sir. All right, guys, that's going to wrap up another great segment. Y'all take a minute to check out some of the businesses that keeps this show free for you. If you're fortunate enough to own a lake or a pond, then I know you want to get the most out of it as possible. We all want to manage and grow big deer on our place, so why not grow the biggest, most healthy fish possible as well? Give Norman a call at Southeastern Pond Management at 205-288-1371 or just look them up, southeasternpondmanagement.com, and these guys know what they're doing when it comes to managing ponds and lakes. So uh, if that's what you need, reach out to them. All right, guys, let's jump straight in to segment number three, and we, for the UFALA West Point uh, report, and I love this guy. Hadn't had him on in a while, so glad he's back with us. Clayton Bats, what's going on, my friend Clayton? Oh, not much. Just head home from a guide trip and get ready to go out on a couple more. That's what I'm talking about. Well, man, if you just, you just finishing up a guide trip, you ought to have a good report. I mean, a on time this is what they're doing right now report oh yeah they're moving out uh it took them a little bit longer than what it usually does that water temperatures finally got up to you know 83 82 83 degrees they're moving out to that 20 25 foot stuff there's a bunch of schools that are showing up daily right now catching a bunch of numbers of fish uh with some good ones mixed in but the majority of them have been two two and a half pounders right now but i'm looking for the big ones to start showing up on some of that little little off the wall stuff sure this is kind of the time of year you look forward to isn't it you know me this is my favorite time when they get out there and they get in those schools and you spend a lot of time behind those lower edge grass that's my favorite time of year 
That's right. Yeah, you, and it, it does seem like, just from other reports, it seemed like they moved out a little bit later this year, but we, we've we really had a pretty mild, a long spring compared to what we do most of the time, it seems like. But the water temperature's moving up. Is that what, what water temperature do you look for to where the fish usually generally start moving after that 2025 and start schooling up? 81 is normally my number, but this spring we've had it where to go to 81 and then – the next week it might be back down to 70, you know, 77, 78. So you need to hit that 81 and you'd be continuing to warm from there. That way they'll get on out there in that cooler water. But if they just don't get up there and that shallower water is just as cool as deep, they're going to stay as shallow as they can. Yeah. There you go. Well, it, uh, well how'd y'all do today on your trip? We probably caught 35 today. I had a father and son. Uh, I took one trip out yesterday. I had an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old, and their dad. And we averaged, we were averaging, you know, 30 to 40 fish in a six-hour trip with with kids. You know, they're, that's always a good time. Yeah, yeah, man, that's a great time. How about any, any size to them? A bunch of two-pounders, two-and-a-half-pounders, and then you'll get in where you'll catch, you know, in a six-hour trip, you'll catch four or five of those three- to four-pounders. And then we've had a couple of, like, great old biggins mixed in here and there. Not like what it should be, but, you know, those six-pounders, five-and-a-half, six-pounders. Right, right, and that, which is good fish, man. That's good fish. So how, how are you catching them right now? Are, you, you know, are you, are, you starting, are you starting shallow and working out first thing in the morning? You going shallow, are you going straight to the, to the schooling fish? I'm going straight out there and graphing and seeing what schools are set up right, and we're going fishing from there. But like yesterday morning, I started off, and I had the dad and the two sons with me, and for about the first thing, I said, we're going to catch them. I ain't going to make you cast unless I see them. Then I idled over one, and there was about 40 down there set up right. I said, let's whack them. And we pulled up there and started catching them. And he was like, all right, I kind of understand now. That's awesome. What are you catching? How are you? What are you catching them with? What are you? What y'all fishing with? Uh, the new schools that like the ones that are just kind of popping up that are fresh. They're real green. You can catch them on uh, Jinko Trimmer Shad or Jinko CD twenty or twenty five, depending on the depth on them. A football jig, drop shot, big worm. Just kind of going through your offshore rotation. Yeah. What's it? So do you see a difference? I'm assuming by the comment you made that you see a difference in how a new school will bite compared to a school that's been out there a little longer. Yeah. The school has been out there a little longer. They felt that pressure a little bit more and you have to go kind of, I'm not going to say downsize your bait, but you have to finesse a little bit. Cause like, even when I'm throwing a drop shot, I'm not throwing a little three or four inch worm and I'm throwing a seven and eight inch worm on a drop shot. It's just a different presentation. It's a little bit more finesse. But the green ones, when they first get out there, they'll eat about anything. And those are the ones you can catch on that big plug, big swim bait, no pressure, and then they'll kind of get back on that finesse stuff. Yeah. Until they're pulling water. And then they start pulling that water, you can go back, you know, to your more power fishing baits. Yeah. How often do they pull down there? Is it pretty regular? Yeah, it's it's regular. Right now, they've been running the water level, and don't ask why, because you can't ever have an answer with a corpse. But it's been the lake is, you know, in the upper 187s, and right now it's 189.5, and they were pulling water today, and it was setting up a bunch of fish where they'd uh, get out of that timber and move up on those hard spots to feed. Good stuff, man. 
do when you're fishing uh, the ledges and offshore does does color seem to matter that much to you somewhat when they first get out there like a tropical shad works real good is that's a chartreuse and blueback then you'll kind of get into like most of the time the summer especially now from now on it'll start water start cleaning up and it'll get real clear depending on the, how much rain we get you have to go into kind of more of those uh more natural subtle colors yeah yeah was there is there still fish is there still a fish bite that 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 is shallow right now or are the majority of the fish moving out there's a bunch of fish shallow right now you is fishing totally different this year than what i've seen in years past they're staying up shallower longer uh that has a lot to do with the current and that water temperature not warming up as fast and just i think the fish are changing just a little bit based on how many brush piles are up shallow the grass is up there. They seem to be biting a little bit better up the river right now than down the lake. The fish actually look better up the river right now than they do on the lake. Hmm, uh, man. So it sounded like you, you fall is kind of, kind of on right now. You can catch them shallow, and you can go out there and find those schools like you're doing, and catch them either way. Yeah, it's just easier for me guiding, especially with kids and stuff like that, to be able to go offshore, fish those hard spots schools and stuff like that where people can go out there and catch them now the shallow bite i mean you can go out there and catch them but it's one of those deals where you're not going to get that many bites right yeah and that's harder to do with a 10 11 12 year old it's just harder right. for them they to make that to presentation yeah, that's right they just want to set the hook <laughs> that's right and riddle man which we all enjoy that well, good stuff, man. It sounds like that uh, things are shaping up there. Uh, like I said at the start of this, I know this is your favorite time of year, so that's awesome. But uh, somebody's going to come fishing here in the next couple of days, man. What's your tip of the week? Just stay behind those grass if you want to fish uh, offshore. I mean, I'd say if you want to fish offshore or if you can plan on fishing two days, just leave those rods locked up in the rod locker and leave the key at home and spend time behind those low-range grass and be able to find them. Because once you find them, you're pretty much going to catch them. Yeah, it's just a matter of finding them to start with, marking those spots, and then coming back and busting them. Yeah, that's a that's great tip. Fun. That's it, man. Well, Clayton, man, if somebody wants to come down there and uh, get in a boat and catch some fish with you, or I know you offer a service as well where you teach people and, and train people on on using their electronics. And, man, what a great service that is. Uh, what's the best way for them to reach out to you, buddy? Yeah, now, I mean, we got uh, all the forward-facing sonar now with all the active target and all that stuff out now, and I've been teaching a bunch of people how to utilize that, fishing brush piles, schools, and timber, and just suspended fish, which that's just a new thing that everybody needs to learn how to learn, needs to learn how to know, because that's going to be the wave of the future right there. If you're not using it and utilizing it, then you're going to be behind people that are using it. Yeah, no doubt about be, that. They can find me at just lakeyoufollowfishingguide.com. Same thing on Facebook, or either give me a call at 334-310-8338. That's good stuff, man. Clayton, we appreciate it, buddy, and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon, man. Stay safe out there and keep catching them. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, that's another awesome report. Y'all give Clayton a call. Man, he knows his electronics, and he knows how to catch fish on you, follow. So if you're interested, give him a call, hook up with him, and uh, you'll be glad you did, and you'll learn a lot. That is another awesome report, and it was brought to you by 
BNM Pole Company is the leading manufacturer of crappie poles in the world today. Their product line has evolved to include top quality gear for anglers who fish for more than panfish, including their Sam Super Salt Series designed for shallow water fishing for trout and redfish. These rods will deliver everything you need to catch these inshore fish at a great price. The genuine Portuguese cork handle feels great in your hand, and the exposed blank touch system will add unbelievable sensitivity. Stainless guys are durable and flow smoothly. Check out their whole lineup at bnmpoles.com. All right, folks, that's going to wrap up the show for this week. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to the podcast. If you'd like us to email it to you, we'll send you the podcast. And each and every week, just text the word fishing to 314-665-1767. And we will send you the show each and every week. That's it for the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. Stay safe out there, guys. Talk to you next week. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Sun South. If your to-do list requires work on the land, come see us at Sun South. We listen to your needs so you get the right equipment and the right implements at a price you can afford. For John Deere equipment sales, parts, and service, come see us at Sun South. Equipment for those that do. And brought to you by Photonist Defense, PD Pro Ultralight Ultra Compact Night Vision Systems. Simply the best in-class night vision system ever built. Contact us at photonistdefense.com to learn more. Photonist Defense, masters of darkness. And brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save a bundle online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And by being in pole company is more than just panfish. Check out their Sam Super Salt series designed for shallow water fishing for trout and redfish at bnmpoles.com. And brought to you by Bucks Island is a family owned and operated business since 1948. At bucksislands.com, you can check out the full list of inventory from new and used bass, pontoon, bow rider style boats, new and used motors, as well as kayaks for sale. Give them a call at 256 442 2588. And brought to you by Brian Sand with National Land Realty. You already trust me with your fishing report, so trust me to help you find or sell that next piece of property as well. Just give me a call at 601-383-2344.